It's the final hour on a Friday on the Fan Morning Show Vibes Immaculate. We ride off into the sunset and enjoy a little Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. Big, uh, big buzz in the city of Montreal. And we got someone that is living in the moment. Our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. David Croft, lead Formula One commentator at Sky Sports. Bonjour, David. Welcome to our fine country. <laughs> Bonjour. How are you this morning? We are so great. It's lovely to chat with you ahead of a great weekend here in Montreal. I know you're down there now or across there um, from us. And, and so what's the vibe like in the city? And I know you've been a few times. So what do you like to do when you're in Montreal? Uh, party. I think everyone likes to party in Montreal. <laughs> um, it's it's almost like this is the, the first weekend of the year. The city comes out of hibernation mm-hmm. uh, and everyone realises there is sunshine out there and a bit of heat uh, and it's time to go in there and enjoy some sports, uh, which it probably isn't, but it feels like that. And I, I've been coming here since 2006. I absolutely adore Montreal. It's a brilliant city and some, shall we say, some places host a Grand Prix, some places embrace a Grand Prix, and Montreal has always embraced Formula One, uh, which is why we love coming back year after year. We have great racing, uh, we have a great crowd, we have a brilliant track, we have the threat of rain, uh, which always spices things up. I was with uh, Jensen Button last night, the 2011 winner here. Uh, he came from last, crashed into a lot of people, uh, and took victory on the final lap. And we were talking back uh, over that four hours and four minutes of a race. And uh, that'll never be repeated. But uh, Jensen says he's brought his crash helmet just in case, because it might be raining this weekend, and they need a man who can cope in the rain. Well, it's nice to hear that Montreal embraces it, but like it, it's it's a little like I always think people might be like lying to us a little bit because the stops on the F one like it's how could Montreal even compare? I mean, it's it is legitimately a great city, but like this is where all the partying happens, really, on the F one yeah. circuit. It's Montreal. Look, I'm not saying that there aren't parties elsewhere, uh, but, uh, but 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 when you go down uh, Catherine Street and you cannot move for people wanting to to join in the F1 party, you, you know you're in the right place. And look, this isn't the first time we've been uh, to Montreal. There, there are only was it Monza, Monte Carlo, Silverstone, and Spa are the only tracks that have been on the F1 calendar f- longer than the circuit Gilles Villeneuve. It's the 42nd Canadian Grand Prix right here in Montreal, so I think it's very much a and its stripes um, and history plays a huge part in, in the reason why people flock here because we have had some brilliant races over the years people flock wanting to see some more so we know what it sounds like uh, kind of off the off the track but what's the circuit known best for for the racers for everyone that's competing uh, this weekend is it you know you said it's a hard course um it can be wet and it can be wild how do they view it coming yeah. in well, it's 2.7 miles of long straight into breaking zone, chicane, long straight, breaking zone, hairpin, long straight, chicane. Um, it, it seems like a really, really easy track uh, to master, but it's not. You've got to really attack the curbs to get the most um, out of those chicanes. You've got to leave your braking until the very last. You've got to have a car that's as slippery as a, as, uh, as a, a, a greased-up eel in the St. Lawrence Seaway uh, that can cut through the air without any drag and reach speeds 
speeds of well over 210 miles an hour when we get to, to qualifying with the DRS. You've got to be able to overtake and you've got to be brave. You've got to keep away from that wall of champions and you've got to try and avoid the marmots uh, that are hiding in burrows around the circuit and who my very good friend Anthony Davidson once sadly uh, came across and ruined his chance uh, of a really good points uh, finish here. He collected a marmot in his car and that, that was the end of his chances of a win. They're, they, they, they're cute and they're cuddly, but they, uh, they, they do run across the track at the wrong time sometimes. Uh, I don't know if it's like the year of the rabbit or the lion or whatever, but I do know that it's the year of Max Verstappen. The year of Max. Yeah. Uh, is this just like an athlete who's hitting its prime or a driver hitting its prime? Or are there so many other factors that have just funneled into one driver dominating in the way that he has? Yeah, if he's hitting his prime, he's hitting his prime at the right moment because someone's given him a really nice new pair of running shoes uh, that's giving him even more uh, prowess on the track. And I, I, I think, I think when you win a first world title, not that I know anything about winning a first world title, uh, but your mindset changes somewhat. You're, you're not as desperate uh, to get. Uh, the victories that will follow, the, the championships that will surely follow as well. You know how to process a, a whole season of intense competition and come out on top on the other side. And I think that's what we're seeing a bit with Max Verstappen now. George Russell, uh, the Mercedes driver, alluded to this, that Max is a bit more calculating in the way that he goes racing. He is a little less aggressive now. He doesn't need to get moves done in an instant. He can wait to see how things pan out. He is in the best car, and that helps as well. There's no doubt that the Red Bull uh, is, is far superior to the other cars on the track. But, of course, he has a teammate alongside him who has the same machinery that should be getting the same results. But, you know, here we are with Max Verstappen, 53 points in the lead now at the World Championship. Go back three races to Miami when Sergio Perez, his teammate, was on pole and only six points behind Max. Now there's 53 points gap because Max has, has just put his foot down and said, right, I'm going to be consistent. I asked Checo about this yesterday. What can you do that you're not doing at the moment to be on a par with Max? He said consistency. That's what it's all about. That's where he is he's getting these huge leads in the championship because he doesn't make mistakes. He said, I can't afford to make another mistake now. I've, I've, I've had my errors for the season, hopefully. Uh, but Max doesn't make the errors. And we see that time and time again. He's he's so in control. We are definitely seeing the best of Max Verstappen uh, on the track currently. Is there someone or something that could put a hold to that, to a halt to it? Maybe it's this weekend or maybe it's a one time down the, the stretch here in terms of the remaining races. But is it his own mistakes that would stand in his way? Or is there something that could come in the way of Max just continuing to to run the field here. Yeah, well, listen, we hope that, that something is, mm -hmm. is going to come up that, that, that challenges Max because you don't want to see the same person winning time and time and time again. We, we like a bit of variety as commentators. Um, <laughs> to, say, to say that it's easy for Max Verstappen it, it, is something of a misnomer. It looks easy from the outset. He certainly looks in control. But a Formula One car is made up of 80,000 different parts and you race that over 70 laps uh, around the circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Any one of those parts could go wrong at any one stage. So the, the reliability factor that Red Bull have, have been superb at it is always there to bite you just around the corner without any warning whatsoever. Then there's your 19 rivals on the track. Then there are the conditions. Uh, then there are, you know, freak things like, you know, tyres just not giving you the grip that, that you would want and unexpected consequences of, of that. So there's there's always something lurking around the corner, especially at a circuit uh, like we have on the Ile, de, uh, Ile Notre Dame where 
the barriers are so close, one little mistake and, and you're out of the race. You're not stuck in a gravel trap uh, or, or going off onto the grass. You, you, you're hitting concrete walls and you're out of this race. Um, so whilst it looks easy from the outside and it looks a formality, uh, it, it ain't over until you know someone waves the chequered flag, whether they do it after 70 laps or, <laughs> as they did a few years ago, after 68 laps. <laughs> We're talking to David Kropp, lead Formula One commentator for Sky Sports. Of course, you know this legendary voice. So maybe it's uh, maybe it's Mercedes, a double podium in Spain. Have they turned the corner? Have they unlocked something? Obviously, a lot of conversation about what's going on with Lewis Hamilton on and off the track. Um, but do you think that there's some momentum <laughs> there after what happened in Spain? Do you mean the contract negotiations or the Shakira Both, rumors? Both, actually. I didn't know one? if you had any insight oh, on Shakira. Definitely Shakira is what she was going for. <laughs> definitely Shakira. I have, no, I have no great insight other than my insiders at the team tell me that it might not quite be the relationship oh. that some of the, the tabloids are building it up to be. But, you know, who knows? Who, who knows on this one? Um, I, do, I love the fact... Tom Cruise, Lewis Hamilton, and Shakira in a love triangle. That's, that's a story I never thought I'd read. That'll get clicks. It'll get clicks. It certainly will. Um, in terms of the contract, no news on that either, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. Lewis was asked about it yesterday, and um, I, I was down at Mercedes uh, making a few inquiries too. There's there's no press release primed and raring to go. There's there's no announcement set mm -hmm. to be made this week. Um, and whilst Lewis and Toto Wolff, his boss, did talk in New York and, and continue to have chats, I think there's a few things that still need to be decided. It's not money, from from what I'm understood to believe. It's 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 a few things around uh, the contract and how Mercedes will support Lewis in things like the Hamilton uh, uh, Foundation, uh, for instance, and uh, and some of his uh, fantastic diversity and more equality uh, into Formula One. He, he really has um, gone out there and uh, and said what is right now for, for some years and it's great that his team uh, in Mercedes have, have backed him up. In terms of are his team going give, to give him a, a winning car this weekend? Possibly but unlikely because I think that the characteristics that uh, gave Mercedes such a better time in Spain aren't necessarily the characteristics that you need to win uh, here in, in in Montreal. I think Aston Martin are a probably more likely challenger to Red Bull this weekend. They've got big upgrades on the car and they're looking to make it a bit less draggy um, to give you know Lance Stroll hopefully his first ever uh, home podium in, in, in a race where. You know, we talk about all those in Monaco who used to go to school by the side of the track. Well, you know, Lance Stroll went to school just a, a couple of miles from the track here in Montreal. And it's a very special place, as you will see, uh, on his crash helmet for this weekend. But I think he and Fernando Alonso, his teammate, have got an excellent chance. I think Ferrari have got a great chance in qualifying, but they seem to overwork their tyres a bit when it comes to the race. And, and then after that, you're looking for an unlikely podium sitter rather than a winner uh, for this race. But, you know, as I mentioned, over... 70 laps, anything could happen, and us commentators like to believe that it ain't over until the check and flag. <laughs> Lance Stroll's an interesting uh, figure or athlete in Canadian sports because it doesn't, like, we really, really love uh, the athletes that make good on the world stage, and Lance Stroll, I mean, yeah. being an F1 driver, driver is making good on the world stage for sure, but it seems like he's not loved like others are, and we just had this great Canadian story with uh, Nick Taylor winning the RBC Canadian Open, first Canadian in 69 yeah. years to win the Canadian Open, huge, huge moment, and it feels like the moment, or, you know, the, the stage is there for another great Canadian moment if Lance Stroll can have a successful weekend. Uh, you mentioned that you you know you could see like improvement to what he's doing this season and, and some uh, some potential there. Like what's been different for Lance uh, this year and, and over the last couple of years? 
So, so I, I think with Lance, the difference for him this year is that he is finally sitting in a car that is capable of, of being on the podium consistently. Everything that he and his father, uh, Lawrence Stroll, have, have worked towards has, has come good at Aston Martin. Um, so for those that don't know the backstory, um, Lawrence Stroll, very successful, very wealthy man, uh, and an absolute racing dad with a huge racing passion. Uh, never underestimate how much Lawrence Stroll loves racing. Um, Lance came into Formula One with the Williams team, and eventually uh, Lawrence uh, decided to uh, to move from Williams and to buy Racing Point, Force India, as they used to be, and to turn that team into uh, a much more a much more capable outfit with investment behind them now. And now they're named Aston Martin because he bought the car company as well. Um, things are looking good. They've moved into a new factory. They have the budget, the funds, and a teammate as well in Fernando Alonso to develop and push the team forward. Now, Lance has been on the podium a couple of times in Formula One, uh, but he's never been in a car that can consistently uh, do that for him. This year, I think he is in that car. He had a, a big accident uh, whilst training before the start of the season, broke both his wrists, uh, and came back uh, to race in Bahrain. Made a pretty decent recovery, it has to be said, uh, from that injury, but it's still kind of driving through the pain a little bit uh, from time to time. So I don't think we're seeing him at full fitness. Um, we saw in Spain last time out, he beat his teammate Fernando Alonso, double world champion, uh, for the for the first time on the track this season, and he outqualified him as well. And I think I agree with Lawrence uh, Lawrence Stroll that by the end of the season there will be a much uh, the, the closer alignment uh, between the two drivers, and you'll see Lance beating Fernando from time to time. But but the reason why I, I just to say the reason why I think people don't embrace Lance Stroll so much is that he is the son of a billionaire, <laughs> Nick Taylor. I, I don't know much about Nick Taylor, but he won that Canadian Open in great style but I don't believe he's the son of a billionaire. No, um, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Um, it is not Lance Stroll's fault that he's the son of a billionaire. Um, and it's also gone beyond the point of, well, he's only in this because his dad's bought him a seat. Uh, what has happened at Aston Martin is, is, is a brilliant story for Formula One. We have a much more competitive team as Aston Martin than we ever did as Force India and Racing Point. That's healthy for the sport. 800 people are getting their mortgages paid on a regular basis because of the investment Lawrence Stroll has put into that team. And, and that's all good for the future. Now, Lance has to deliver on some of that investment. And that's a huge pressure that is on his shoulders and he's what, 25 years old? He's, he's not, oh, well, he's 25 in October. He's not old in terms of life experience. So he's had to cope with all that pressure and I think does it very well. And um, is a hugely likable guy for me. I've always gotten really well with him and also a fine driver too. So come on, Montreal. <laughs> Get behind Lance Stroll. He's your man. Yeah, he's your driver. He's your hometown boy. Wouldn't it be great to see him stood on the podium this weekend? 1,000%. We love a good Canadian feel-good story. I think that would go uh, come a long yeah. way. It's a good perspective to have too, right? We, we want to hear the behind the scenes. I think that's a, a good addition to our knowledge of Lance Stroll. But um, we are, you know, the Canadian squad here, but our producer, Daniele, is a Ferrari guy, but it's tough to bring up oh. because they're having a, a hard go this time around. So we need some we need some hope maybe going from real contender last season to, you know, can't get out of their own way this year. What's going on with Ferrari? And let's help Daniele out here. <laughs> you either need hope for Daniele or some counselling first thing on Monday morning, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Um, and, 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 and I can't, I can't promise you uh, <laughs> which one that Daniele uh -oh. will need more. <laughs> 
I, I asked Charles Leclerc yesterday, um, had they found the answer to the problems that he was experiencing in Spain that caused him to qualify down in 19th place and, and pretty much say the car was undrivable through the left-hand corners? He said, no, we haven't. And that's a worry for me. Mm. They've had a week and a half to sort the problem out. They don't know what it is. So how is that problem not going to reoccur again this weekend? Um, Ferrari are... They are once again snatching defeat from the jewels of victory, if I could uh, use that <laughs> phrase. They should have a, a fine car. The car was fast last year, um, but it seems to be fading away in races, um, overworking its tyres, um, and then not qualifying quite as well this year as it did last year. So, whereas last year, Saturdays were pretty decent, they're not as good this year because the car's not as good. Um, they've lost staff. They're going to lose even more staff. Fred Vasseur, the new team principal, has got quite a job on his hands to, to rebuild the, the technical uh, side of things, uh, to, to, to give a bit of hope and, and faith and, and, and proper strategy during the racing as well. You know, his intra is, is building by the day. And I, I don't see Ferrari being proper contenders for regular race wins this season. And I think even next season, it might be stretching it a little bit. They desperately need to find an answer as to why their car is off the pace in a race, um, why they're getting technical problems that they don't seem to be able to predict and, and, and preempt, and why also Charles Leclerc, who is a super driver, is still making little mistakes that blot his copybook uh, from time to time. Uh, Carlos Sainz's teammate is, is a bit more of a steady and safe pair of hands, but I don't think he's as fast as Charles uh, on his day. Uh, what, sometimes you want that reliability, you want that steady, safe pair of hands, but Ferrari needs speed as well. So what they kind of need is the, is the steady, safe pair of hands, faster hands in Charles Leclerc than they're getting in Carlos Sainz. They, they need pace from their lead driver, and they're not kind of getting it all the time. I'm sensing there's a long face behind the glass yeah. uh, behind me here yeah. uh, after that answer. Tough, tough, tough times. We, <laughs> we all want Ferrari to do well. Where Ferrari are doing well, Formula One is a much better place, trust me. You know, and there, there will be a huge Tifosi contingent in Montreal. You know, red seems to be the favorite color mm -hmm. for a lot of the, uh, the F1 fans here. Uh, most definitely. Uh, so you guys are going to Las Vegas this fall. Um, I'm, I guess I'm ask, asking you to project a little bit, but how game-changing, how big of a deal is it that F1 is heading to to Vegas. Yeah. Do you want to carry my bags? Do you want to come with us? Um, come yes. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're available. I booked it off <laughs> I already. Will, I will forego the Montreal party for the Vegas yes. one. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you into a little secret. Um, my my fiancé works in Formula One um, uh, with uh, one of the teams, and she's going to Vegas on Monday uh, for a recce uh, for the race. And she mm. said, oh, like, I won't be back after Canada for a couple of days. I'm going to Vegas. I went, what? You're going to Vegas? It's my birthday on Monday. How am I flying home when you're going to Vegas? How did that all go wrong? You know? Um, I think it's going to be a massive game changer. Um, it is going to look spectacular. Um, it is going to be, um, it is going to be the showbiz razzmatazz race uh, of the century. And some of the things that are going on behind the scenes uh, to, to make it that showbiz razzmatazz race are just mind-blowing, uh, quite frankly. I was there last year for the launch of the race, and, and there was a lot of money put into the launch. There's even more money being put into the race itself, and it will attract the high rollers into Vegas. It's like heavyweight title fights and some. Mm. The cars racing at 200 miles an hour down the strip, uh, past the Bellagio Fountains, you know, that backdrop, that strip scene at night that we've all come to know and love... Uh, 
uh, we'll all be trying to recreate scenes from The Hangover, uh, some more <laughs> successfully than others, I'm sure. And you know, we're already looking at can we put a tiger on expenses at Sky Sports? <laughs> uh, probably not uh, on that one. Where's Mike Tyson's phone number? We need to get him involved. Um, it, it is going to be a game changer because of the spectacle. I hope the race will live up to it. I worry a bit about the temperature at night in Vegas because in November it's really cold and it can be like three, four degrees uh, at night time. And that's not going to be great uh, for, for the tyres and for the racing. Um, and I'm sure the fans are going to have a marvellous time. But, you know, <laughs> bring a few uh, few dollar bills on this one. Vegas is not a cheap place uh, to go. Um, but it is... It's a destination for, for everybody. And Formula One was there in 82 uh, last time in a car park in Caesars Palace. That's not where we should mm-hmm. be. We should be in the front and centre. And we need those big destination Grand Prix to go alongside the Heritage Grand Prix, like Montreal, and to have more races uh, as we are doing on this time zone, on the North American time zone, can only be healthy for the sport too, in terms of an audience that we're broadcasting to, in terms of a sponsorship um, market that is ever increasing in this part of the world. Uh, and it all goes together absolutely beautifully. I cannot wait for Vegas. Um, but I have to say that the flight to Abu Dhabi after Las Vegas could be one of the the more peaceful Ooh. plane journeys of the year because I don't think anyone's going to be awake. <laughs> that sounds like they hit the jackpot with picking Las Vegas as their uh, next oh, one. Yeah. If you had to add another one, you know, I, I like the growth of the sport is obviously really important, and I know there's a lot of new fans, and, and we are some of them here, like that got into F1 in the last couple of years. But cool. uh, one that you'd want a, another race on the course uh, on the track um, that you could add, what would it be? Um, if I could add another race, I would build a new track in Africa um, uh, and find somewhere on the African continent mm. because we are a world championship and we race in Asia, we race in Europe and we race in the Americas, but we don't race in Africa. And, and, and I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. To be a, 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 a fully global world championship, we should be on every continent. Now, I understand that, that Kyle Army, that's, that's been rumoured for a while, hasn't quite got the, 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 the money uh, and the infrastructure, but let's find somewhere on the African continent because there is a massive audience, mm-hmm. huge audience of Formula One fans that we are not serving by not going uh, to that continent. So that, that would be my wish uh, if I could. I, I wouldn't want a second race in Vegas. I'm not quite yeah. sure I could cope with yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know how everyone's livers will hold up after that one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll do one a year. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time this morning to chat with us. Enjoy uh, Montreal and your time there. Don't party too hard. you got to save some for the fall when you're in Vegas. But uh, hopefully we'll get a chance yeah. to, to maybe join you there one time and, uh, and meet up. Appreciate it so much. That would be absolutely perfect Perfect if you could. Um, <laughs> enjoy the race weekend. I don't know if you guys are coming down to the track uh, at the weekend, but but you should because it's, it's the place to be. It is a very, very fun time. I got to go last year, so I'm taking the year off, but I'll, I'll try to get there next year. <laughs> nice. Thanks so much. Come and look me up when you do. We Take will, care, guys. Sure. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. That's David Croft, lead Formula One commentator at Sky Sports. You know him well. It's Crofty, soundtrack of Formula One. He's been a lead F1 announcer since 2012. And, you know, it's lights out and away we go. And that was our Insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Speaking of cars, room vroom. There you go. <laughs> Pretty remarkable life, eh? Traveling around. Probably going all a these, top, top like, five really, in sports. Like, if I had to live someone else's life, I think it would be a P- PGA Tour guy, like someone mm. comfortable and doesn't have to play every weekend, like is, you know, steadily making money. I think that's the dream. Mm. But just being a part of the traveling show that is F1, 
would be pretty remarkable. That has to be. If we did a power ranking one day, his job, it's really, really in the good. top five. At least in terms of broadcasting, pretty, sure. pretty good. An iconic voice. Like you just, as soon as you hear his voice, you're like, here we go. It's, yeah. it's F1 time. It'll be fun. Um, if you're heading to Montreal this weekend for the Grand Prix, let us know how it is. Let us know on Monday if you survived it. It is a party scene. I love that. That was the first thing. How's it? What's it like in Montreal? It's a party. So... Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. And and Las Vegas is having its moment, right? You know, Stanley Cup champs, they're going to have their parade this weekend, Saturday night on the Strip. It will be very interesting to see how that city holds up after its first ever Stanley Cup parade. And then you'll see that in November with the the big track in front of Caesars Palace. Yeah, the it's like a it's dry run, dry run of shutting down the Strip. I, uh, the only couple things in the world that can shut down Las Vegas Boulevard are the Vegas Golden Knights and F1. <laughs> And we did have um, a parade yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Denver Nuggets got to celebrate their first ever championship, and it did not disappoint. We do have some clips, some audio uh, that has been beeped out and uh, finessed and massaged to be able to play on the radio. Yeah, the, 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 the number one performance here was whoever had to deal with all the expletives. That might have been Josh. And MVP he's, on he's a Friday. given us a hands up. He did he did grind it out. Um let's play should we play Mike Malone first? I'm I'm partial to Jokic, okay. but we go. Let's play you both. Want. Let's play uh, Malone on stage. He's he might have been the star of the entire day yesterday. He was celebrating like Crofty was inferring <laughs> yeah, maybe that harder. might happen. Maybe, maybe harder. harder. Than so here's Malone. Two wings. I got guys like Bruce Brown. Come here, Bruce. Hey, you all tell me, is Brucey B going anywhere? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hey, we running this back. We running this back. Hell yeah. Come on. Get loud. Get loud. Not a lot of voice left uh, no. after that one. There was like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to lump in every stepdad, but there was like big stepdad energy, like a certain segment of stepdad <laughs> where it's just like, what is like, what is going on with you, man? Like he was, he, uh, he had the look, he was playing the part. He was into the drinks 100%. Deservingly so. And deservingly so. But not every, co- there's some coaches go like heavy one way mm-hmm. and others play it pretty cool. He was partying as much or more. Than anyone. than anyone on that team. Okay, but Nikola, uh, Nikola Jokic, of course, we've talked about him, and he's a, that, he was very eager to get home. He wanted to get home, get home to the horses. You know, he had we talked, we played his clips, uh, lost the trophy, uh, the MVP trophy, whatever. But yesterday, he showed a different side. He showed a side of a guy that was really living in the moment. Here's Jokic. Uh, you know that I, I told that uh, I don't want to stay on parade, but I f-ing want to stay on parade. This is the bad guy. <laughs> I want to stay on parade. I want to stay on parade is legendary. That is, legendary line. We'll be hearing that one he's, for a while. He's that guy. He was like, I don't want this attention, but I'm going to have 14 beers. And then all of a sudden, I'm loving this attention. That it is was, uh, the Jokic experience. It was a pretty good scene, um, even though he wanted to go home. And he probably will quite soon after that parade. Mm-hmm. And probably need a couple Advils. But qu- quiet, quiet flight. It will be a quiet flight back home. Uh, like Vegas to Abu Dhabi. That, yeah, hopefully finds that trophy. Um, yeah, lots to come. I'm sure Monday morning we'll have some uh, 
breakdown of the Vegas Golden Knights in their first championship parade down the strip. I'm sure we'll hear very similar audio clips from that. Um, but let's bring in our next guest after the break, Victor Martinez, who's a former MLB first baseman at DH, of course, five-time MLB All-Star and current Blue Jays special assistant. He spent some time touring around the minors recently, so checking out some of the Jays' young guys, their young core. Let's get an update with him. And then John Morosi obviously gave us a question to ask Victor Martinez, and we have to make do for our favorite Friday morning guest, who is in Grand Bend, probably en route throughout our beautiful hamlets. And listening, so let's not let and him listen. down. So we have to do that. Victor Martinez after the break. A baby wake and rake to wrap it up, so send those picks in at 590-590. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final block of the week, fan morning show. Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin Cuthbert, and Ailish Forfar. We are still waiting to connect with uh, our guy, Victor Martinez. We got important questions to ask. Big time. Uh, What are you looking forward to in the sports world this weekend? I know you're going to be dialed into the Montreal Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. We've got the U.S. Open. We've got a final, Canada Mm -hmm. and the United States. It's built up as, oh, sports over. Denver, Vegas. There's lots going on here in the summer. The parade, certainly on the... Close to the top of the list here. I want to see what Vegas does show out. Big game tonight. Jays and Rangers. I mean, you got my guy, Kevin Gosman, on the mound. Uh, It is the start of a three-game series against a team that is doing pretty well. And the Blue Jays just lost another another series against an AL East team. So Mm -hmm. they need to get back in the right win column. Yeah, I'm excited to see Texas because there's, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about how great they are. And we've been talking about, you know, the Jays building, Orioles building the way they've built. Texas is kind of, I wouldn't say they've bought a team. That might not be fair because there are some young guys and some guys in the Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. conversation there. But they aggressively spent and it is paying off. We have connected with Victor Martinez, former MLB first baseman and designated hitter and a five-time MLB All-Star, currently working as a special assistant with the Toronto Blue Jays. Good morning, Victor. Hey guys, good morning. Uh, how are we doing? Uh, doing good, doing good, man. How you guys doing? Uh, we are doing pretty good as well. Uh, so we talked to John Morosi this morning, who knows you really well, and I'm sure you know him really well as well. And he was talking about a decision you made at a 17-year-old and a lot of pressure on a 17-year-old making a decision and waiting on an offer to come over to Major League Baseball. Uh, I think we should start with that because it's a great story, sort of being already as a 17-year-old sort of faced with the with the real grown-up problems and decisions to make. What was it like, you know, when you were waiting on an offer, when you were a young guy in Venezuela, and uh, how that all came together for you to make the transition and, and eventually become a major leaguer? Man, uh, you brought me you brought me all the way back at 17. Uh, <laughs> you know, with, with 17 years old, we think uh, we think we're not everything, but um, you know, the reality is uh, is that uh, we 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 don't know anything. So, um, especially a guy a guy like me coming from uh, from Venezuela, that um, you know, I, I barely speak I barely speak Spanish by then, so. Uh, it was uh, it was it was really hard for me when uh, I came uh, to the United States for the first time, and you know when I when I got here, I, it was a it, it's a pretty long story. I'm I'm gonna try to make it short. Uh, um, you know, I remember we were making uh, three hundred and three hundred and thirty dollars every every two weeks, so it was like six hundred and sixty dollars a month, and. Uh, 
uh, we, we had to rent this apartment, and, and after a game, you know, this lady and, and a kid was waiting for us uh, outside of the ballpark, and, and the kid was crying that they want to take it, they want to take a ball player to the house, and, you know, it was, it was four of us, and between, between four of us, it was, it was going to be really hard to pay the rent, you know? So um, the lady wants to take one of us, and and, and and she it was uh, in the group. It was one of us that, that speak a little bit of English. The other three didn't speak any. And, and the guy was translating to us, saying that oh, she want to take one, and, and we say no, we we can because you know between four of us, it's gonna be hard to pay the rent. And if if one leaves, it's gonna be really tough. So you know, trying to make sure that we uh, we end up going to. Uh, uh, their house and it was it was my mom and my dad in America and uh, the other three players the other two players went to uh, different families so uh, I, they, they were the one that teach me the language and 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 all, and all that so when I got here uh, uh, Mr. Mark Shapiro was the was the uh, uh, the GM in 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 Cleveland so that's how that's how everything started for me. Mm. Well, it's great. I mean, you know, kind of full circle moment because you're now working for and with Mark Shapiro uh, as a special assistant with the Blue Jays and making uh, a career out of baseball uh, extended even beyond your playing career. And it's a testament to the work you put in when you got your opportunity because most people wouldn't be able to deal with the responsibility of having to come through and having to perform and having to grind through some hard times uh, to establish yourself like you have done. But let's talk about your the, the second part of your major league career here, becoming a special assistant for the Toronto Blue Jays. What, what made you want to prolong your major league career? career become you know be more than just a player and continue to work in baseball what about uh that opportunity drew you to it and, and why do you still want to be a part of a major league ball club well uh, my last year was in 2018 and um you know before i retire you know every time every time that i go to toronto uh, i get to see mr mark chaparro and uh, he always tell me that come and work with me come and work with me you know let, let, let's win a championship together and you know, I told I told Mark, Mark, give me give me a, give me at least a year. You know, I, I retired. Let me you know enjoy the family for a little bit, and and then I get back to you. So, but you know, I got I'm, I'm married. I got four kids, and and it's a, a boy and three girls. You know, the boy is the oldest, is 18, and then my three daughters, 16, 10, and five. So. You know, it took it took me a little bit to to decide to get back in the game again. Uh, uh, you know, especially that I still have uh, little ones at home. But um, you know, uh, uh, my son is getting ready to go to college. He's gonna play. He's gonna play some baseball in in, in uh, junior college. It's called uh, Central Florida in Ocala. Mm-hmm. And you know, this year. Uh, uh, Right about in January, almost I think it was like December, January. Uh, I text Mark and I tell him, uh, Mark, I think uh, I think I'm ready. You know, he he came, you know, he called me right away and he didn't let me he didn't let me breathe. Since then, you know, he got on me. You know, uh, he gave me a call with uh, with Pro Satkin, that a, a guy that I, I know pretty pretty well from Cleveland too, and. Uh, and that's how I decided to come here. And it came. It worked out great, though, because uh, 
my first two years after I retired, two three years after I retired, I didn't, I didn't, I disconnect myself from baseball. You know, uh, I didn't see any any games and stuff like that. I, I, you know, I got into horses. I, I own some horse races, and um, you know, everything that I, that, that, that you see at home here is it, the uh, TVG channel. You know, it's a, it's a horse racing channel. So then, from from last year and a half, I start looking baseball again. And the team that caught my eye was uh, the Blue Jays. You know, I really, I really like this this young team. You know, starting with Bloody Junior, Bobby Chet, and and I was like, man, you know, I I, I like this team, and and uh, you know, it, it just meant to be that you know my connection with the team with you know it's Mr. Mark Shapiro. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 I thank God to today that I wasn't. It, it, it wasn't a hard decision to get back in the game. It was just that actually I love this team, you know. Before I make my decision to to come and work for them, you know, and it makes it makes the decision a lot more easier for me. So Mark Shapiro's got an eye for talent. We know that, and he apparently had an eye, like he thought you were an ex- had some executive talent. Clearly, because he was trying to recruit you even years before you, uh, you know, actually made the move and started working for the Blue Jays. So, what does Shapiro? I'm going to ask you to talk about yourself. What does Mark Shapiro see in you? What value does he believe that and you are bringing to the Blue Jays right now? Talk about your responsibilities, uh, what you're working on, and, and what you're doing to help the Blue Jays win ball games. Well. Um... Uh, it was uh, uh, they want me a, a, a little more in the in the in the big league side, and um, I think uh, being in the big leagues is it's it's pretty uh, you know I think life in the big leagues is it it's really nice you know just being in the big leagues. But um, you know when I talk to them, I told them that I want to take some time and and go to the minor leagues also. Then I want to, I want to, I want to see the guys in the minor leagues because I think it's very important. Uh, they, they, they need the education, you know, uh, when they get to the, when they get to the big leagues. Because uh, for me, I experienced that when I was a player. Uh, you know, when I was in the Tigers organization, they call up a couple guys that, um, for, you know, the, the, the kid didn't know how to. How to handle themselves in the big leagues, and and I think that's very important, you know, for the for the young guys. And you know, I get to I get to do that, and, and then you know, go to the big leagues and and talk to the guys. And 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 I think, uh, you know, honestly, when I was a player, I never I never had a I never had a guy like that, you know, that I wish that I can go to. And you know, when I'm struggling, you know, I really want to talk to somebody that it that it went that I actually went through it. How you got out of it? How you know what do you do in this situation? What do you do in that situation? So I get to, when I get to go to Toronto, I, I, I go on the road with them. You know, I get to I get to um, put them in uniform and and work with it, work with the guys, and I, and you know I work together with uh, with uh, Guillermo Martinez, the hitting coach uh, in the big leagues and. You know, and and I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. And I'm having a lot of fun doing this job. Um, I tell my wife and uh, and and my friends around, you know, here that when 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 we get to work with a guide and you see the guy, you know, having success and trying to do the stuff that you're telling him, and having success for me, it's it's like better than 
then get in, I hate myself, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We're speaking with Victor Martinez, uh, who's working with the Blue Jays, as we mentioned, a former MLB first baseman. And you've been an all-star many, many times. But as you mentioned, you know, there's highs and lows in everyone's performance. And you've been able to kind of talk to the young guys if they, if they are going through some struggles, whether they're sent down to the minors or they're struggling at the plate. So what is the best advice for someone that is going through that? Because we have some Blue Jays that aren't having um, the season that they want so far, whether that's Alec Manoa or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. What is the best advice? for someone in their young career that is going through something of that sort? Well, you know what? Um, you know, unfortunately, that, uh, uh, one of the first things that I, that I can say to, to uh, you know, a guy that you described, that the, mm-hmm. the, the things are, are not going the way you want it, it's that nobody said this was going to be easy, mm-hmm. right? Because if not, anybody will be doing it. And, 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 and I think that's a... The best thing that I can start with, and 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 it's just having the the mindset. It's a long, it's a long, long race. This is not a sprint, a sprint race. It's a it's a, it's a marathon. It's very long, uh, you know. And uh, and this is what it comes to, you know, my role that, you know, I went through it, and I can, you know, my very first year in the big leagues, you know, I I, I got I got a pretty, I got a pretty. Pretty good year, you know. I I remember I hit 283, I hit 23 homers, drove in 108. But on my second year, you know, uh, All Star break, and everybody knows when the All Star break hits, they uh, they call it the, it's a halfway of the season, but uh, it's not. It, it's the the halfway of the season is already went by by around 10 or 15 games, and I was hitting three. I mean, two to two ten, two or five to ten, seven homer, thirty RBIs. I was really struggling, and but you know what? I never, I never gave up. I, I, I kept showing up to the ballpark at one o'clock, one p.m. I, I kept working my 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 butt off. You know, I, I work, work, working. That's why I always say, when uh, if you work, whoever works, you deserve to get better. So. My my numbers at the end of that year were three or five, twenty homers and eighty RBIs, and I and I keep telling these guys, and I was this way. If I see you doing one one thing, I know I can do it too. So if I did it, you can do it too. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's uh, this game. This game is very hard uh, on your head, man. This game is very very tough mentally, and. Uh, if you if you if you you know if you if you're not ready mentally, I'm telling you I don't I don't care how good of a talent that you have, but you need to have the, as as good of a talent that you have on the field. You need to have that and maybe more mentally. So and this is something that I can get to sit down and talk to them and just like I'm talking to you guys, I sit down with them and talk and tell them stuff that. You know, and you can see, and this is a beautiful thing about the, the, this job that I'm doing now. That that you you can tell there's nothing better when you can you you're talking to somebody and you can see you can tell that they pay attention to you know every word that you say. Uh, last one from you for you here, Victor. Uh, is there one Blue Jays prospect? Name one that we need to have our eyes on. Well. There is a kid in in New Hampshire and then Double A. Right, his name is Orelvis Martinez. Mm-hmm. 
I'm telling you, this kid, uh, you know, he's been he he's been really struggling. I, I saw him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was he was hitting like 170. He has, I think he was by when I, at the time that I saw him, he was he got 20 hits. But out of those 20 hits, he had 13 homers. But he was hitting he was hitting 170. Right now, I think he's hitting for like 210, 212, something like that. Let me tell you something, man. If, you know, if this kid learns how to hit, you're going to hear this name for, I mean, for, a, for a long, long time. He's from Dominican Republic. He's a shortstop, Aurelvis Martinez. He's, uh, you know, I play with a lot of guys with a lot of power, man. And, and I'm going to tell you this story real quick. When Edwin Encarnacion got to spring training, I told Edwin, I have a, 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 a guy from your from your country that has a lot of power. And uh, and if we do if we do a, a home run a home run derby right now in big league camp in spring training, the only one I think that can beat him is Vladdy Jr. And he looked at me, Edwin looked at me like I, if I was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Victor. And I told him, listen, I'm not going to say anything to you. I want you to see him. And when I show him, when I show uh, Aurel this to Edwin Encarnacion, Edwin gave me this look like, Victor, what is this? I mean, the pure power that this kid has, the way, I mean, the one thing is uh, I can, that I can tell you guys, but you need to see it. it, it you know, the effortless, the way he swings the body, it, you know, it looks sometimes that he doesn't, he doesn't even want to hit the way he swings. But the ball just explodes out of his bat. Mm-hmm. You know, but, uh, I mean, it, it's normal. He's 21. He's, he's stroking out a lot. You know, he and you know, I've been talking to him a lot. That he, it's okay to get jammed. It's okay to break bats. You know, every 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 good hitter, every 300 hitter, breaks a lot of bats through the years. You know, through the year. So, what does that mean when you get jammed? What does that mean when you break bats? That means that you see the ball longer. You you letting the ball get into you. You letting the ball get deep, right? Yeah. So. When you stroke out a lot, that means that you're making early decisions. You, 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 you're making early decisions to go get the ball up front. And that is the main reason why you're seeing a lot of strikeouts nowadays. Right? And, and they're afraid to just to get jammed. And it's not a bad thing, actually. But for some reason, a lot of hitters think that maybe it can be embarrassing that, that, that you break a bat or something, you know? But... Unfortunately, that's the only way for you to become a good hitter because it means that you're letting the ball get deep. You're, you're going to recognize off it pitches better. And, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's the, the, the one part as a hitter that a lot of, a lot of these guys don't understand. So um, this kid, man, Aurelvis, uh, for me, he's the one that's staying, staying, staying out of this this young group of guys in the, in the minor leagues. Well, we're glad you're working with him, mm-hmm. and we're excited to see him when he comes up and see how he has a little bit of a Victor Martinez effect. <laughs> uh, it was a pleasure talking to you this morning, Victor. Hopefully we can do it again soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, 
Let's get trying to win a championship now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It. We want to see you flash in that ring. Thanks again. Uh, that's Victor Martinez, former MLB first baseman and designated hitter. We got to do a very quick wake and rake. Do we have time for the music? I think we do. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. I'm 60 le- seconds. Oh, 60 seconds. Going. I'm just trying to get it done. I- I- I'm leaving room for the Blue Jays to win, but I'm taking Texas because I like Texas plus one and a half minus 135. Okay, tonight. I'm going back to a favorite of mine. Kevin Gosman over strikeouts. I'm seeing a six and a half. He is going to be dialed today. Big game, big series ahead for the Toronto Blue Jays. So Kevin Gosman over strikeouts. We've got a couple here. Dan and Peterborough says hit the over tonight. Uh, we've got a bounce back pick. Connors over Woodland and Scott. We've got over eight and a half runs in the Guardians and Diamondbacks. We've got Wit to get over one and a half bases, which has been a good one. Shoffley over Ram and or Rom and Lewis Hamilton plays top three. Uh, those are kind of your. I'll let you close it ones. off because we got 15 Let's seconds. Let's do a same game parlay, maybe? Yeah. Over in the Blue Jays game with a plus one and a half for the Texas Rangers and Kevin Gosman over strikeouts. I think that sounds like a perfect way to kick off your weekend. Blue Jays with a very big series ahead with the Rangers. You got the U.S. Open all weekend long. Argos kick off their season Sunday versus Hamilton. You got the Canadian Grand Prix. And a happy early Father's Day to everyone. We'll be back Monday morning. Enjoy your weekend.